I'm going to read a couple different passages out of a few different books in the New Testament. We'll see if I can say the right ones. The first will come from Luke chapter 5. And really what Jesus tells us is that when this wonderful counselor comes, he comes for the sick. Luke 5, verse 27 and following. At this point in Jesus' life, he's gone out and called some of his disciples, and he's healed people from from ailments and diseases. In verse 5 of Luke, Luke verse 27 of Luke chapter 5 says this, talking about Jesus, and he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great fat feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at a table with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus says, I've come not to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. This wonderful counselor of Jesus, the baby that we celebrate in this holiday season, is the wonderful counselor. He is the great physician who has come for those that are sick, but because it is those who are sick that need a physician and that need a cure and that need to be healed, and all of us are sick. Every person that has ever lived is is sick and dying because of sin. And what sin does, the Bible tells us very clearly, is it alienates me from God. It makes me an enemy of God. But what the blood of Jesus has done, and it's only by the blood of Jesus that my sin and your sin can be forgiven. That I can be considered a part of God's family. So the great physician came for the sick. And when we're talking about the physician, or today to use our title from Isaiah 9, the wonderful counselor, what I have are just some real practical things for us to do when we're dealing with our wonderful counselor as we're going to listen to him. And we'll let scripture flush out these. Uh, The first is that we need to be brutally honest with the counselor. You need to be brutally honest with Jesus. I want to illustrate that for you, give a picture of what I mean and why I think that's important out of the Gospel of John chapter 4. John chapter 4. As I turn to that, I'll kind of let, do a, a quick replay of what happens in John 4. Jesus travels through intentionally and he goes through the region of Samaria and he comes across a woman that's at a well in the middle of the day, which meant she didn't have any friends and nobody liked her and she was ostracized in her community. So she was there by herself, and Jesus has this interaction with her, and first he speaks to her, which he wouldn't have normally done as a male in their society, talking to a woman that he didn't know. But he talks to her, and he asks her for water. Then they have this conversation about Jesus says, well, I can give you better water. I can give you living water, and if you drink from it, you'll never go thirsty again. So in this longer story, I want to read verses 16 and following. As Jesus is talking with this woman at the well in Samaria, John four sixteen, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now 
is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. (laughs) And Jesus stands up right in front of you and he tells you your deepest, darkest, maybe not secrets, because a lot of times we think the secrets that we have about our life, we think that other people don't know, but we're not quite so good at hiding things as we think that we are. So Jesus talks to this woman in John chapter 4, and for the wonderful counsel that comes to her, our admonition, our encouragement is to be brutally honest with the counselor because he called her out and he said, in fact, you've had five husbands and the one that you're with now is not your husband. And she says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet because there's no way you could have known that. She could have denied it. She could have tried to run away. But in fact, what we see that she did is that she is brutally honest with Jesus. It's really easy to deny something, even if it's true, even if it's right in front of your face and say, no, 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 that's not it. And it's easy to want to lie and to cover that up when even you and everybody else knows that that may be true. But I would encourage you when Jesus comes to you and he convicts you of something, be honest with him. You don't have to hold anything back from God, I promise. You do not have to hold anything back from God. He's a big God. He can take your complaints. God can take your hurts. He can take your your questions. God can take those, and he wants you to bring those to him. So when we're dealing with our counselor, Jesus, be brutally honest. I mean, how often is it that we go to the doctor and they ask us questions about exercise or or about how how well we eat or how well we don't eat, and we kind of like to fudge about what really happened? Hey, fudge, it's almost Christmas, right? But we're not honest with the physician, or you go to the dentist, and the hygienist says, well, how often have you been flossed? And you say, well, uh, it doesn't really matter. They ask us, but they already know the answer, right? They can tell by looking at us, and the physician or counselor knows when he asks this question. So there's no point in me trying to deceive Jesus, because I can't do it. Be honest with Jesus. And a lot of times, how that's going to play out in your life is you're going to have to be honest with the people sitting around you. Together as the church, as the family of God, we are to be honest with one another, at times brutally honest in the appropriate circumstances with the appropriate people that it, where it is safe, okay? But be brutally honest with the counselor. And when he says you're messing up, you need to stop, don't go, no, don't try to backpedal out of it. I want to read another verse out of Psalm 55. I think it's Psalm 55, 22. I'll look at it and see if that's the right one. It'll be good even if it's not, right? right? Okay. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. When we're dealing with our counselor, let's be honest with him. Because we can't deceive him, and we can't trick him. Just like the woman at the well that Jesus called out, and like this verse from Psalm 55, 22, be honest with the counselor. Another thing that we should do is that we need to listen to the counselor's voice, and we need to do the things that he tells us to do. Very simply, you need to listen to what Jesus says and do it. Mark chapter 9, I want to read a couple verses out of that. The Gospel of Mark and the New Testament. Mark 9.
I'm going to read verse 7, and just before that, this is a, an event in the gospel of, of Mark where Jesus is with his disciples. He took Peter and James and John with him and went up on a high mountain, and his presence is transformed before them, and Moses and Elijah show up. We call it the transfiguration. It's this pretty, honestly, it's a pretty strange event that happens with Jesus and his followers, and God thought enough of it to tell us about it in his word. But what he does when this happens, when Jesus is there, when Moses and Elijah come, and Jesus' closest disciples are there with him, God speaks. And he talks about Jesus in verse 7. It says, And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. <laughs> it's pretty simple, but simple is not easy. But simple is what God has called for us to do, to understand, to read his word, to know what it says, and to go out and to do it. I think a great measure of my maturity as a Christian is how long does it take for me to read what Jesus said for me to do, and then how long does it take for me to go out and then do it? Because it's easy to read what Jesus says and then not do it. And I would argue for me that when I do that in my life, I'm not being very mature, and I'm not being a very good follower of Jesus in those times. Now, there are and there will be ways that God works on us and he wants for us to grow and we're never always going to get it right away. I don't care how long you've been a Christian or what you've been doing. There's always room for growth for us. But when we're dealing with this wonderful counselor, what we are to do is to do the things that the counselor tells us to do. God says, this is my son and in him I am well pleased. Not far from the gospel of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want to go to John chapter 10. Verse 27, it's in the middle of a teaching by Jesus, but I can start there. John 10, verse 27 and following. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they know me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father, and one. God says from the cloud, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, and they do what I tell them, and ask them, and command them to do. So when we're dealing with our wonderful counselor, we need to be honest with him, brutally honest with Jesus. And I need to do the things that Jesus tells me to do. And listen there to his voice. Another place out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. Occasionally I go back and I'll listen uh, to my sermons. You guys have to listen to them, I should too, right? But what I find is that I, sometimes I can just talk nonstop and just go and go and go and go. And I think what that does is it doesn't allow time for what is read and said to settle. We need a little bit of quiet. We need a little bit of rest to process, I think, what God has said for us. 
Mark 10, verse 20. Jesus is dealing with a rich young man who came out and he says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Verse 20, Jesus said, he says, this is the man's response. And he said to him, teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, he loved him. And he said to him, you lack one thing, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. Why? For he had great possessions. Jesus knows what gets in the way for you to follow him. Our counselor knows that, and that's why he's given this name and this title of our, our wonderful counselor. And that we are to listen to him. We are to know his voice. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, and they do what I have said. Even maybe in the times that they can't see me, they recognize my voice, and they know that it's me, and they can trust me and do what I have told them to do. So for Jesus, know his voice. We know his voice by reading his word. When we read his word, we understand what God would tell us to do, and what we also understand are things that God would never tell us to do. What the enemy, our enemy, the devil, tries to do is to deceive us, to sound somewhat like God, to trick us into doing things that are bad for us and that he knows it. But if I know the voice of Jesus, I will not be tricked. Know his voice. Be honest when he deals with you. And do what he tells you to do. This rich young man walked away distraught because he had great possessions. And Jesus told him to sell everything he had. Why? Because the possessions are bad. No, that is not what Jesus says. What he says is that for this man, the possessions got in the way. So Jesus said, ditch it. And he couldn't. And his response lets us know, other than the fact that he's Jesus and he's always right, but lets us know that his assessment of this young man was spot on. Why? Because Jesus said, that's what's going to get in the way. All of us, myself included, have something that's going to get in the way of following Jesus. And maybe it's not your possessions, but it's going to be something. And what Jesus is going to tell you to do is he's going to say, ditch it. Drop it. Get rid of it. And what you need to do is don't be like this rich young man who was disheartened. He said, I don't want to. I'm out. Instead, listen to God and know his voice and be honest with him, even to the things that you struggle with. And do what Jesus commands and tells and encourages you to do. I was talking to my brother Luke last week over Thanksgiving. We went to Woodstock for a couple of days and spent a little bit of time with mom and dad, my brother and his wife. And uh, I told Luke that I would bought a new screen protector for my phone. I got one of the glass screen protectors because phones are expensive. You don't want them to break, right? So, but I, I've had it for a couple of weeks and I haven't put it on yet. <laughs> it just sit in my house. I have one of the, the flimsy ones that gets bubbles in it every time you put it on. You ever dealt with one of those? Right? But I was talking to Luke and... He got, bought one of the glass screen protectors for his phone, too, but, but he put his on. He said, Joel, I don't like buying stuff and not using it. <laughs> I was like, well, fine. I'll go home and put mine on. Well, that was last week. It's still in my house. I haven't put it on. I need to find it. But it doesn't do me any good if I'm not using it. 
Jesus and his words, his commands, his call to discipleship and obedience don't be, do me any good if I go, yeah, I know what Jesus told me I'm supposed to do, but I'm tired. I'm kind of busy. I'm too set in my ways. I can never change. My family won't be any different. I can't make a difference. It's too hard. What if I fail? What if I fall? What if I get hurt? What if I let people down? What if I'm embarrassed? It doesn't do us any good if we don't use it. We need to do what Jesus has called for us to do. There are certain things that are all Christians are called to do, bar none. None are excluded from that. And the call for us to make disciples is that. And there are other ways and steps in our life that Jesus is calling for us to make, to be obedient to our Father who loves us, who wants what's the very best for us. Let me pray over us right now. God, thank you so much for how you love us and how you care for us. And you know what is best and you know what we need even when I'm too blind to see it. Or even when I know it, but I'm too stubborn to admit it. God, you love us so deeply and I'm so blown away by that. God, I pray that in this season of where we celebrate Christmas, that we keep our focus on you and we remember these words from Isaiah about our wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, our everlasting Father. God, as we study together on Sunday mornings in December, God, teach us more about you and your word. God, may you be the first thing that we run to and not the last. May all the other hustle and bustle of the holiday season be an afterthought. God, may we focus everything on Jesus. And in his name I pray. Amen.